0: Right, everything in order. Bags packed, suits strapped. We've got oh, T-minus three seconds till liftoff. It's time for a new Fun Kids Science Weekly. <coughs> Welcome to the show. My name's Dan. This is the podcast that, that helps you explore the universe, helps you find all that science-y, secret-y stuff that's lurking through the solar system. And we've got loads of our friends that will help us out this week. On the way, we'll take a trip to the smartest school in the solar system, Deep Space High, to see why the Earth is
1: made like building blocks. This rock you're standing on is a mixture of minerals, and minerals are the building blocks of rocks and everything else that makes up a planet.
2: Building blocks, like Lego. So different combinations make different types of
1: rock. That's right. But nearly all the minerals that make up the Earth come from just eight elements.
0: Also, we'll chat to a Mars quake expert. Her name is Anne Horliston. All about why we're looking underground on the big red planet.
3: We've gone there to try and find out yeah, what Mars is made of. We know what Earth's made of, but we didn't know what, exactly what was inside Mars. So that was our mission, was to find out what is inside the planet.
0: And I've got your questions, as always. This week, we'll look into how the galaxy around us was made and how far space actually goes. It's all coming up in a brand new Fun Kids Science Weekly. Let's kick things off with your science in the news. A mega-volcano blast last year was felt on the other side of the world. You might remember... We spoke about this this time last year. A volcano erupted in Tonga last January, but a set of science instruments in the Atlantic Ocean picked up some very interesting findings and movements down there. These instruments, they sense seismic activity in the Earth under the sea, so if anything's moving, what the Earth is doing, if it's rumbling. And in the middle of the ocean, near Africa and Portugal last year, it picked up movements, Earth tremors, from a volcano that erupted. 18,000 kilometres away How amazing is that? The world around us has so much power So much force That it can shake something On the other side of the world Also, experts have found how echidnas keep cool. They're animals that look a bit like hedgehogs and they're found across Australia. And scientists have discovered that they keep cool in the heat down under with a very strange, slimy method. Using special cameras, they've discovered these creatures use snot bubbles to take the heat away. Like elephants use water in Africa, it draws the heat away from your organs because it evaporates all that moisture into the sky like animals sweat elephants use water echidnas they use snots to take the heat away I, I love this i love that there are so many different things about creatures all around the world really strange ways that they operate that we're still discovering and also a charity in the uk need help to find a beetle This charity called Bug Life is in the southwest of the UK and they're trying to find the blue ground beetle which is very rare. There have been a few spotted but they're asking visitors to help them search, take pictures of where they find the creature. It's got a big blue back and that will help the people who work there find ways that they can make the species grow and make it feel at home. It's it's amazing. Uh, People who are visiting uh, a place maybe on holiday, they're doing fantastic things to keep the population, to keep the eco System thriving. I love it. Let's dive into the world of how things are made then. For the last few weeks, we've been listening to the brilliant series, The A to Z of Engineering. We head to Engineer Academy and we're exploring how different things are made. There's something for every single letter of the alphabet A right the way through to Z, so I guess what? That's uh, acoustic guitars to zoos. Let's spin the amazing roulette wheel with the help of Engers, our engineering expert, and see what letter it lands on today. Hello and welcome to another Engineering Academy
4: where we're exploring an A to Z of everything engineering. Let's spin the wheel and see where we're engineering today. Over to Engers to spin the wheel.
5: It's D and D is for demolition.
4: Thanks Engers. With buildings, what goes up must come down. Well, at least when it's reached the end of its useful life. And demolition is the name given to the engineering of safe tearing down of structures. In the UK, around 50,000 buildings are demolished each year, creating over 40,000 million tons of waste. These buildings could be as small as a house or as tall as a skyscraper. Now you might have seen videos of explosions and wrecking balls demolishing large structures like factories, power stations and blocks of flats, but there's more to demolition than a large bang. Here's Engers to break it down for us. Break it down? Get it?
5: That's a terrible pun. So... For smaller projects, it's pretty simple. They use tools such as pneumatic drills and lump hammers and mechanical vehicles like cranes and bulldozers buildings need more powerful equipment like wrecking balls, which are heavy metal balls on chains which are swung by cranes against the structures. They're particularly good at smashing up masonry. That's things like stone and concrete, but they can also be used for other materials too. Although they look like giant conkers on a string and are fun to watch, they aren't the safest of equipment so are only used as a last resort. Metal beams and similar structures might be cut up using angle grinders and flame cutters, such as oxy torches. Other tools that can help make short work of a project are things like rotational hydraulic shears and rock breakers, which can slice through wood, steel and concrete, and are great to use when using flames would be dangerous. So that's a lot of tools in the armory, but whether big or small, how do you get demolishing? The first step is to carefully inspect the building and any plans of the structure ...to identify any dangerous or harmful materials, such as asbestos, which can cause health risks if breathed in. Any such materials must be carefully removed. Utility supplies such as gas, electricity and water must also be disconnected. When all the preparations are complete, it's time to get to work. For small buildings, hydraulic excavators can be used in what's called an undermining process... This is where the lower parts of a structure are smashed to topple the building over. Demolition engineers are specialists at knowing exactly where to hit to get the building to fall in a controlled and safe way falling in a safe direction that leaves the rubble in the right place for the clean-up operation. In some cases, machinery will be used to demolish a structure down to a manageable height before it's then undermined. To control dust, water hoses are used to maintain a wet demolition. These might either be held by workers, secured in fixed locations, or attached to lifts to gain elevation. But what if your building is quite large, like a tall chimney, a smokestack, or even a bridge. Well, they can be destroyed by implosion using explosives. Imploding a structure is very fast. The collapse itself only takes seconds and an expert can ensure that the structure falls into its own footprint so as not to damage neighboring structures. This is essential for structures in dense urban areas. The process is far from risk-free though and badly executed could be disastrous. Falling structures may damage neighboring buildings and flying debris can injure onlookers. It can also be dangerous when the explosives Partially fail. That might mean a structure ends up tilting at a dangerous angle. And because of undetonated explosives, it can be difficult to approach safely. Another danger to consider is the air overpressure that occurs during the implosion. If it's a clear day, the shock waves will travel quickly upwards, but if there's dense clouds, shock waves will travel sideways and that could cause damage to nearby buildings. Controlled explosions are pretty spectacular to watch, but they're really only used if no other method is possible because of these risks. Preparing for an implosion takes a lot of work. Anything of value like copper piping or anything that could cause harm in the explosion like glass will be removed. Engineers will select specific columns within the structure to attach the explosives. Holes will be drilled and high explosives placed in each hole. Smaller columns and walls might be wrapped in detonating cord. Engineers will try to use as little explosive as possible and will plan a progressive collapse with detonators going off one after the other. Areas with explosives are covered in materials to reduce flying projectiles, and workers and onlookers will be kept at a safe distance. Then, it's time for the countdown. Three, two, one. As you can imagine, large structures will generate a lot of rubble, and the cleanup operation can take a long time. Today, much of the demolition waste can be reused. It can be crushed up to make what's called an aggregate, a key ingredient in concrete and road building.
4: Thanks, Engers. So that's our take on the letter D for demolition. It's been a delight. If you'd like to check out some other types of engineering, why not check out design, drainage, drilling, or device engineering?
0: Engineer Academy created with support from the Royal Academy of Engineering. If you would like to find out more about the A to Z, visit funkuslive.com slash engineer We'll catch up again with Engers, our engineering expert, and get another letter from the A to Z of Engineering uh, in next week's podcast. Right now. Let's answer some of your science questions then. If you've got anything sciencey, anything at all, you're wondering about the world, about the animals, about the oceans, about the trees moving further out, about the atmosphere, about the solar system, about the Milky Way galaxy, about the universe, anything at all you're thinking about, send it over to me as a question. The best way that you can do that is by leaving a voice note, record yourself at funkidslive.com, and you can star in the show just like Matteo here. Hello, my name is Matteo. I'm six years old. I want to know how the galaxy was made. So, Matteo, let's go right the way back to the beginning of everything the Big Bang, which is what scientists think was the very first uh, explosion. It kicked off everything that we know in the universe. That's where it all started. Right after the Big Bang, there was a lot of stuff flying around, a lot of matter flinging all over the place, and gradually. Because of gravity, that's the force that attracts two objects together, some of that matter joined, it clumped together. Now, as more of it merged, the gravity got stronger. So stars were made, planets were formed, and then groups of planets and stars were then sucked in by something huge in the middle. They fell into its orbit just like we do around the sun. We are in the sun's gravity. We can't get away, which is why we spin around it every year. And all that stuff that was following one big thing in the middle becomes a galaxy it's all to do with gravity and matter attracting each other mateo thank you so much for the question uh, let's get another one on then who sent a voice note to me at funkidslife.com hi my name is mabel and i'm eight years old and i want to know
2: how far does space go
0: well you see mabel there's a difference in how big space is and how huge the universe is and what we can actually see All our telescopes and all the amazing science equipment that we have can only go so far. It's called the edge of the observable universe. It's what we know is there, but we are certain that there's a lot more outside of that, and we're always growing. Now, get this. This is hard to get your head around. What we can see, the edge of the observable universe, is 46.1 billion light years away. That means it takes a single beam of light 46 billion years to travel all that way. Now, it's amazing when you think that the universe is only only 13.8 billion years old. So, how are there things that are so much further away? It's because everything's growing, everything's expanding all of the time. It's like when you blow up a balloon. Uh, the balloon itself doesn't just grow, but everything inside it expands too, doesn't it? That's kind of what's happening when the universe is expanding. It's growing out. Or maybe... Uh, it's not growing outwards at all. Experts think it might even fold in on itself, become like a tube, maybe like a straw you might drink from. Uh, Mabel, thank you so much for the question. If there is anything science that you want answered on the show next week, you can leave it for me uh, as a voice note star in the show. Just record yourself. Send it over at funkidslive.com. Now, for this week's Dangerous dam, where we look at some of the meanest, strangest, most amazing and deadly things around. We're headed to South America. Come on then, let's fly to the country of Venezuela. It sits right at the top of the continent, a little to the right of Mexico as you look at it. Uh, In Venezuela, you'll find the Angel Falls. It's a spectacular wonder of our world. It is the tallest waterfall in the world. The water falls from 979 metres in the sky, right in the heart of the jungle. That is 15 times the height of the famous Niagara Falls that you might have seen a picture of. The water rushes over the top, plunging down a clear, rock-free drop of over 800 metres. Nothing gets in the way as it falls that length. The surging water uh, goes right from the Turin River uh, straight over the sheer rock face. Now when it first hits the ground, it swirls and spits for many more hundred meters over rocky rapids which churn and roll down the valley into the huge jungle below. The water at the bottom spreads to 150 meters wide before hitting the floor. Uh, It's such a spectacular sight. Right in the middle of the jungle, the angel falls. The best way to see it though, through all of the dense forests, the trees, all the vegetation, is actually to fly right above it and to see this beautiful spectacle from the sky. Problem is, as beautiful as it is, that sheer force of water on the Angel Falls, rushing over 800 metres to crash land down, is certainly dangerous. What a force that has, churning over rocks and rapids, it makes it truly deadly. So, although it's stunning, it earns the Angel Falls a place on our dangerous Dan list. It's the Fun Kids Science Weekly. We are heading into space right now, talking rumblings on the Red Planet with Dr. Anna Holliston, who is a planetary seismologist. Anna, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you are part well, you're part of NASA's Insight Mission Team. This was a, a launcher that went to Mars well, almost five years ago now to study what's actually inside the planet. It's all about Mars quakes. So start us off. What's a Mars Quake?
3: Well, I guess you're all familiar with the idea of earthquakes, which obviously we have on Earth, which formed when the plate tectonics, the tectonic plates on the Earth, move around. Um, And on Mars, we also see Mars quakes. So it's just like an earthquake,
0: but on Mars. So how much do we know about what makes up Mars, what's inside it. Here on Earth we have the crust, we've got tectonic plates, we've got inner and outer layers, we have the core. How much do we know about that but up on the red planet?
3: Well now we know quite a lot. So um, Mars also has a crust. Um, It's not split into tectonic plates but there are fault lines on it from old geological activity. So Mars used to be really hot and there are big volcanoes that are now mostly extinct um, and there's big canyons and trenches and all sorts of faults that are still moving. So we have the crust and underneath that, we have the mantle, which is quite like the, Earth one, uh, the mantle we have here on Earth. And then we have a core inside it, which is also a bit like Earth's core in that it is there's at least a large part of it that's liquid. Um, so the difference between Earth and Mars is that we don't know whether there's a solid inner core inside Mars yet. But all the other things we have managed to uh, confirm with our latest
0: mission there. And earthquakes are usually made by the, the shifting, these moving of the tectonic plates and, and everything kind of rumbling on beneath them. What, what, what causes the quakes?
3: So most of the Marsquakes um, we think are probably caused, well a lot of them are caused by cooling of the planet. So obviously um, all the planets when they form are quite hot inside and so they try to lose heat and if you think of maybe like uh, if you had a cake and you bake it and it comes out of the oven and it's all nice and risen and while well, it's still hot and then it might cool and it all uh, kind of collapse on itself and, and form cracks on the surface the surface of mars is kind of like a cooling qu- a cooling cake um and there are also areas obviously like where we've had volcanoes where there there might be some ancient lava flows underground that are moving and that would cause um the surface above to crack as well
0: So, this InSight lander is roaming around Mars. What are we trying to find out with it?
3: So, InSight, it's actually, it's not roaming, it's a static lander, so we just sit in one place. But um, we really wanted to find out, so if you want to find out inside a planet, the only real way of looking inside a planet is to use, like, earthquakes or mars quakes or venus quakes or moon quakes um because it's the only way to get energy that passes all the way through the planet we can't drill down deep down into the planet so we've gone there basically to try and find out yeah what mars is made of because we know what earth's made of because we've been studying it for a very long time um but we didn't know what exactly what was inside mars so that was our mission was to find out what is inside the planet
0: and how is this launcher doing that did you say we can't drill down inside mars
3: no, well, I mean, in that we can't really drill down into any planet beyond a few kilometres or so. Mm. Um, so on Mars, we did have a little probe that was trying to drill down just five metres um, that was trying to take the temperature of, of the, the, the top of the planet. Um, and we found that really, really hard because the sand is not like the sand we have on Earth. So the little mole, it was we called it a mole. It was a probe that was supposed to hammer its way into the planet, but it just couldn't do it. So, um, so yeah, it's very hard to get anything um, a robotic mission to drill into a planet um, but um, yeah the, the seismic instrument is has been working really really well actually we did we did lose power just uh, about three weeks ago now but um, it was working very well for four and a bit years
0: so so what is it doing then so this launcher there in one place excuse me uh, it can't go down it's it's judging this seismic activity how is it doing now what's the kit what's it looking at
3: Okay. So we have what's called a a seismometer and uh, it's put right on the ground on Mars. So our lander had a robotic arm that lifted the seismometer from the deck of the lander and put it onto the ground. And it literally measures the vibrations of the ground, just like a seismometer does on earth. So a seismometer, I don't know whether you might have an app on your phone that can do this. Um, It will literally measure the shaking of whatever it's sat on. So our seismometer is sat on the ground of Mars and it listens to the way the shakes. And often the ground just shakes because there's like wind blowing past and that shakes everything. Um, just like you hear the tr- sound of trees being blown around on Earth, but we don't have trees on Mars, but it still shakes the ground. Um, but then also earthquakes what an earthquake does is it releases a shock wave. If you've ever dropped a stone into a puddle and you see those waves rippling out across the puddle, an earthquake does the same but to the ground. So it shakes the ground and causes waves to travel all the way through the ground and shaking of the ground. And we can record that. So a Marsquake, an earthquake, wherever we are, um, we can record it wherever it happened on the planet. Uh,
0: And how are Marsquakes telling you what the red planet is actually made of?
3: So we've got a couple of different things. So firstly, we can uh, we can look at where they've happened and that can tell us what's happening in those regions. But looking at the deep inside of the planet, um, if you think of, um, say, a sound wave, if I um, hit like a piece of a glass or something, in fact, I could do this now, right now. I don't know how well this will come across. But if I, I've got a glass in my hand and if I can flick it, you get a nice ringing noise from it. I hope that came across. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, if I hit something else, so I'm going to hit the back of my phone now. um, That's a really dull thunking noise. So you get different sound waves for different things. Everything has a different resonance to it. So by looking at the waves that we've seen that have travelled through Mars, we can tell what the inside of Mars is. Um, Because we have an idea of what it might be like. We assume it's like the inside of Earth. So we think, okay, the energy should sound like this or it should look like this. It should take that long to get to us from wherever it started. Um, And so we do that with the shock waves so we can use them to tell us exactly what is inside the planet. And we've been really, really lucky. So we went there with an idea of what the inside of the planet might look like and we said oh we've seen mars quakes and we think they're this far away and then for some of them we've actually seen they've been formed the quake has happened because of a meteorite hitting wow. mars um, and so we've got an image a photograph from uh, other satellites that are orbiting the planet that show us exactly where the Mars quakes happened because they're actually things hitting the planet. And that's exactly where we thought they should have been from our modelling of what we'd recorded. So we, we, we know that actually yeah, what we think is inside Mars is pretty much what is inside Mars. Um, so it's been really, really exciting to work on the mission.
0: Here on planet Earth... Um what we measure, I guess the, the most famous example of measuring earthquakes, how strong they are, is, is the Richter scale. That's what a lot of people might know. And uh, the different sizes of earthquakes, the strengths, you get different numbers and they might, you might not feel them. It might cause utter destruction. What do we use to measure Mars quakes? Is there a similar scale? H- how much impact does a rumble on the red planet cause?
3: Okay. So yeah, we do use a very similar scale. We've actually taken the, the kind of Richter scale and the scales we use to measure earthquakes, and then we've scaled them to work on Mars because Mars is a planet half the size of Earth. But, so we, we have our own scales. We call them the Mars magnitude scales, but they do basically the same thing. So we've seen most of the quakes are really small uh, so if you think on Earth, you'd probably hear in the news about maybe a magnitude 6 earthquake. You'd definitely hear about a 7, 8 or a 9, and a 9 is like a really big earthquake. Now on Mars, our, our Mars quakes are much smaller, so they're mostly like 1 or 2 or 3 on that scale. We've got a couple that are 4, and we've got one that's like 4.6. So that's the kind of quake that you would feel on Earth, a magnitude 4, you would feel if you were close by to it. Um, But the little ones and twos, you'd only feel it if it was really like in your neighbourhood, basically. So they're really small little quakes, but our seismometer is so sensitive that we can pick them up from half a planet away on Mars.
0: Now, this is a... I guess all of science, whatever anyone does on science, we're finding things out because we can. There seems to be a lot going on here on Earth at the moment. There are a lot of problems, some might argue, with our planet. So the question now is... I guess what, what it comes across as quite abrupt, and I apologise, but what's the point in all this, Anna? Why are we trying to find out so much about Mars at the moment?
3: That's a really good question, and I, I often wonder myself why we spend so much on going to space. There are a couple of reasons. Um, Mars has always fascinated us, and science as just fascination, evolution, it, it drives so many things, the space race and all the things we did when trying to get humans to the moon back in the 60s, and even now trying to get humans back to, to the moon as, as NASA are trying to do. All of these missions advance our technologies and produce things that we use here on Earth, but Mars in particular um, we Yeah, we're just fascinated with it. From a science point of view, knowing what happens inside another planet will help us know what might happen inside Earth in the long term because Earth is a... It, it formed in a very similar way, we think, to Mars, but had a slightly different history along the way, which is why Mars is half the size of Earth. There are lots of things that have happened there, but the way Mars is now is the way Earth might end up being. Um, so in terms of scientific understanding of how our planet might work that's one reason we do it um i think the biggest reason is just that we really want to go and explore places
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do it because we can thank you so much dr anna halliston planetary seismologist what a treat! it's been a joy thank you anna let's get a lesson then from the smartest school in the solar system For the last few weeks, we've been blasting off, heading to Deep Space High, getting lessons from Professor Pulsar, who's teaching us all about our planet. Because at Deep Space High, they've got this huge window, panoramic it is. It looks out, slap bang, onto planet Earth. It can see everything. And Professor Pulsar is a genius and knows everything. This week, he's teaching us all about the elements and minerals that make up our planet, just like building blocks.
5: Don't worry more and travels deep space high. The soul in space. But, but hurry, because
2: lessons are about to begin. Whoa, hey Pulsar! I heard there's this one planet that's totally made of diamonds. Makes the earth feel a bit boring. Maybe
1: it's just this trip that's boring. Hey, Cheeky, most planets, even diamond ones, are made from the same stuff you find on Earth. So, yet again, Sam, if you want to learn about the universe, the best place to start is with the planet you're standing on.
2: I'm standing on some rocks on a beach. It's kind of nice, but still not as cool as a diamond planet. That sounds so bling-tastic.
1: This rock you're standing on is a mixture of minerals, and minerals are the building blocks of rocks and everything else that makes up a planet.
2: Building blocks? Like Lego. So, different combinations make different
1: types of rock. That's right. But nearly all the minerals that make up the Earth come from just eight elements.
2: So, elements are the building blocks of the minerals, like different sized Lego bricks.
1: That's a good way of looking at it. The four most common elements that make up the minerals in the rocks here on Earth are oxygen, silicon, aluminium and iron. (sighs) Can't beat a bit of sea air. You see, we think of oxygen as being something in the air we breathe, but it's under our feet too. Nearly half of all the minerals in the Earth's crust contain oxides. That's a form of oxygen.
2: Kind of weird that we're breathing in the same building blocks you might find in a planet a billion miles away.
1: Another element you find all over the universe is iron. Like many other planets, it's what makes up the core at the centre of the Earth. Think about that the next time you shut in your iron garden gate and check out all this sand. What's sand got to do with planets? Sand is made of compounds containing silicon, something that's very common in the universe. You find silicon in the sun and stars and in some asteroids too. Nearly a quarter of the Earth's crust is made of silicon compound, and we know that the planets near our sun have lots of silicon compounds too. So this
2: handful of sand has made up the same Lego blocks as on Mercury and Venus.
1: That's right, and Mars too. Planets that are further from a sun tend to have fewer mineral composites in common with planets like Earth, which are nearer. They're often more gassy, which scientists think happens because gases get blown further by the solar winds. But the building blocks are the same wherever in the universe you are.
2: And with building blocks, you can build almost anything, even a diamond planet.
1: It's certainly possible.
2: Live.com slash deepspacehive.
0: We'll have another lesson from the smartest school in the solar system, Deep Space High, with Professor Pulsar next week on the show. That is it for our Fun Kids Science Weekly this time out. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a question that you want answered, you can be a star of the show. Get in touch. Head to funkidslive.com. We've got this really easy record a message bit. You click the button, you say what you want, leave your name, and then it sorts it out and it comes to me so I can do all that science digging for you. I'd love to hear from you next week. If you've heard any series today that you want to hear more of well we had 8Z uh, of Engineering we have had Deep Space High you can get more of those on Apple, Google, Spotify wherever you get your shows and on Fun Kids Podcasts Plus Two. Uh, Fun Kids we are our children's radio station from the UK listen all over the country on your DAB digital radio and at funkidslive.com Hey, it's Dan. If you're enjoying this show, I think you'll really love the Fun Kids Science Weekly. This week on the podcast, you can hear from Anne Horliston, who is a planetary seismologist. She tells us why we're studying Mars quakes.
3: We've gone there to try and find out yeah, what Mars is made of. We know what Earth's made of, but we didn't know what, exactly what was inside Mars. So that was our mission, was to find out what is inside the planet.
1: You can
0: hear more from Anne wherever you're listening to this. Just search for the Fun Kids Science Weekly. And if you're a Fun Kids Podcast Plus subscriber, you'll get it ad-free and unlock loads more bonus content too. Find out more about Podcasts Plus at funkidslive.com. And that is it for this week's episode of the Fun Kids Science Weekly. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back same time, same place next week with another wild, incredible search around the science secrets of the solar system. I'll see you then.